This summer here at Concord United Methodist, we've been in the middle of a sermon series called Surprised by God, where we've been looking at how God's goodness, God's love is so big that it's like an iceberg. And if you know much about icebergs, you already know what I'm going to say. And if you don't know much about icebergs, I'm about to teach you about icebergs. Uh, For icebergs, about 10% of the iceberg is above water. What we can see and know and understand of God at most is 10%. Most likely it's much, much less. But we know that what's underwater that we can't yet see, that we will one day see in the kingdom of heaven, is much, much greater uh, and, uh, than even what we've already seen. So we know that there are times when God surprises us. And we've been talking about the importance of allowing God to surprise us. Today we're, ta- we're talking about how we can be surprised by God's commandments. And as we look at how surprisingly good for us God's commandments are, I want to ask you to humor me just for a moment. I want to make a request of you. We're going to do something a little different today that we don't normally do. Here's what I'd like to ask you to do. For 30 seconds, not 15 seconds, not 45 seconds, for 30 seconds, I'd like to ask you to stand up and greet those around you and simply tell them, I'm glad you're here. If you don't know their name, ask them their name and share with them your name. You have 30 seconds on your mark, get set, go. All right, let's come back together. I can't tell you how much I love hearing thunderous conversation in the sanctuary, but we we have exceeded our 30 seconds, so we'll come back together now. And I am so thankful for this time together. I'm so thankful for the smiles we see on faces. I'm thankful for the conversations, for the people whose name you now know that you didn't previously know, perhaps for the friendships that are just starting. Thank you uh, for taking that time. It is so good to hear conversation and see smiling faces in church. And I want to share with this with you that there were those, we tend to call them extroverts, that when I shared we were going to do that, immediately thought, this is my lucky day. And there were those, we might refer to them as introverts, who thought, what right does that man have to tell me to do that? I got to church. I got where I was supposed to be. Who has the right to tell me to stand up and do that? Well, friends, sometimes that's how we experience commandments, isn't it? That somebody commands us to do something, and sometimes people can even command us to do something we want to do but simply because someone else commanded us to do it, we don't want to do it. Or at least sometimes if you're like me, I might go ahead and do it, but I don't want them to see me do it, right? Most of us, most of us, we love commandments. 
when we are the one giving them, right? We, we love that. In fact, I'll share with you uh, how that works. I was not planning to do that little bit of asking or commanding you to take a little time to greet one another. Then Pastor Brooke, who's preaching in our contemporary service today, told me she was going to do it. And I thought about it, and I said, you know, that sounds like so much fun, giving people commandments. I want to do it too. I want to, I want to do it too. But sometimes when we receive commandments, at first we're like, oh, I, I, I don't know if I want to do this. I don't know if I like being told this. I, and also, I don't know if this is right. I don't know if this is good for me. Some of us grew up in church, and it was largely about commandments. And often it was about the thou shalt nots, what you shalt not do. One of our church members described this type of religion to me. He said, when I grew up, basically, I'm sure they taught me all about Jesus and about the Sermon on the Mount, but what I remember from church is uh, don't drink, don't spit, don't smoke, don't chew, and don't date girls that do. So sometimes we, we struggle, and I imagine for some of our children today that your families have rules and have commandments in your house, and sometimes those commandments are very easy and fun to follow, and sometimes making your bed isn't what you want to do after you get up in the morning, and sometimes brushing your teeth isn't what you want to do when you're getting ready for, for bed at night, but what you need to know is those commandments were not given to you to burden you. They were given to you to make your life better. It's the same way with God's commandments for us. And I want to share with you a scripture today about these commandments. It comes from 1 John, beginning in chapter 5. Our children, once again, are going to share the scripture with us. Uh, so let's turn our attention to God's scripture. Our scripture reading today is from 1 John chapter 5, 1-5. Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ has been born from God. Whoever loves someone who is a parent loves the child born to the parent. This is how we know that we love the children of God. When we love and keep God's commandments, this is the love of God. We keep God's commandments. And His commandments are not burdensome. Because everyone who is born from God defeats the world. And this is the victory that has defeated the world. Our faith! Who defeats the world? Isn't it the one who believes that Jesus is God's Son? This is the Word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God! Did you hear what they read there for us? I want to highlight for you particularly verses 2 through 4. By this, we know that we love the children of God when we love God and obey his commandments. For the love of God is this, that we obey his commandments. And his commandments are not burdensome. For whatever is born of God conquers the world. And this is the victory that conquers the world, our faith. His command, going back to verse three, his commandments are not burdensome, but they're what give us life. For in the language of John, conquer the world, conquer the challenges that we face with our faith. God has designed his commands not to burden us. Sometimes we think of them just as a burden, but they are designed to set us free. Now, recently I walked into our kitchen, 
and it was five o'clock in the afternoon. We normally have dinner about six. I needed a snack in order to make sure that I would not be hangry during, between the five o'clock and the six o'clock hour because that would not be good for anyone in my family. And on the counter were two items. There was a bowl of fruit uh, with apples and oranges, and there was a bag of Doritos. And I looked at the fruit, and I looked at the Doritos. And I thought about the commands that my doctor has given me, and I looked at the fruit, and I looked at the Doritos. And if you'd like to know what happened, all I can tell you is that I walked out of that room licking the seasoning off my fingers. (laughs) Because it seemed too difficult for me. It seemed like a burden. And I will tell you, my wife, in her infinite wisdom, has placed the fruit front and center, and the Doritos are supposed to be way in the back where it's hard to get to them. But someone else had had a moment of weakness, and there were the Doritos waiting for me, staring at me, calling my name. Well, if you do that once or twice, it's not a big deal. If you make that same decision every day, eventually your health becomes a burden to you, and it pulls you down away from the life God wants for you. And so the commandments of the doctor are to set you free, to allow you to live the life you want to live in the best health that you can acquire. Same way with God's commands. God's commands are not supposed just to burden us to tell us what we're not supposed to do. Even the thou shalt nots, the most famous thou shalt nots from the Old Testament, thou shalt not kill, thou shalt not steal, thou shalt not bear false witness, thou shalt not commit adultery. You know, I've never had anyone say to me, Pastor, you know what would make my life a lot better? Lying. Pastor, you know what would really help me feel like I was fulfilling my potential? stealing. No, none of that was given to us uh, as a burden. It was given to us to set us free. And then we come to the New Testament and we find that Jesus goes above and beyond both our understandings of the thou shalt not. He just, he doesn't just say thou shalt not commit adultery. He says thou shalt not lust after someone you're not married to. And he, he also doesn't say, you know, Uh, just you shall not murder. He says you shall not hate uh, because hatred uh, is uh, the beginning of of murder. And he doesn't say that those incredibly difficult commands to shame us. He says it because he desires the best life, the life that God designed for us. And he knows that these commandments are meant to lead us towards that life that God designed for us. And I know Sometimes they, there are certain things in the Scriptures that feel like a burden, but God's commandments were given to us so we could enjoy the very best of life. And then Jesus goes above and beyond that. And Jesus tells us that there are two uh, that are the greatest of the commandments. And these are not thou shalt nots, but they are thou shalls. Thou shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength and thou shalt love your neighbor as yourself. He says, these are the greatest. This is what, by not doing all the thou shalt not, you're able to put yourself in position to do, to love your neighbor as you love yourself. And we have a way here at the church of summarizing Jesus' commandments, his many commandments, uh, to pray, 
to worship, uh, to serve others. Whenever someone joins the church, you'll hear us ask them, will you serve the church with your prayers, presence, gifts, service, and witness? We believe those are commands God gives us and that the commands to, of prayers, presence, gifts, service, and witness are a prescription that God gives us for growing in faith. Just as a doctor gives you a prescription you get filled at the pharmacy, praying, worshiping, giving, serving, witnessing, this is a prescription for how we grow closer to God and find the life God desires for us. So every week, we want you to know if you are not praying every day, that Jesus taught us to pray privately and publicly. And if you have not started reading your Bible and praying every day, we invite you to do so, and we've created an, an easy way. You can find it at concordunited.org Bible or at our information center. It's called our uh, Grow Through the Bible Reading Plan, and you can pick up a copy, find it online, and there it'll give you a brief scripture for each day, and the scripture will go along with the theme for the sermon for that week. And then if you go to concordunited.org Bible, you can also find a daily devotion that's written by our pastors, our staff, and many of our uh, volunteer church members volunteer their time to write these devotions. Uh, people spend so much time and share so much wisdom researching the Scripture, thinking about how it applies to life, writing a devotion, giving us a prayer focus. That's an easy way to get going. And if you'd like that devotion, it's available in email or podcast form, however you can best access it. So we pray every day because it's a prescription for our best life. We're called to be present, to be present in worship whenever we can, but also to be present in a Bible study, a small group, a Sunday school class, because we need those people. We need not just to be part of a big church. We need those people who will be church for us, those people you can call at 2 a.m. no matter what, and they're going to be there for you. We, we all need that. Jesus knew we would need that. That's why he gathered a small group of 12 together, and he taught them how to do life together. We, we need that for ourselves. Giving. Uh, we, we, we are not commanded by God to give. We're not commanded to tithe, to give 10% of what we have to the, the church, uh, or at least to, to work towards that. We're, we're not given that command because God wants to take away all our stuff, take away all our extra pennies. That's not it at all. We're commanded to do that because Jesus knows that this is how you will learn to have a generous heart. And this is how you will care for one another. Did you know you would think that those people who go to church, when there's a disaster that happens in our culture, you would think they would give less than other people because they're already giving so much to their church. That is the opposite of what actually happens. Generosity produces more generosity. In our country, those who attend church are the most likely people to go above and beyond giving what they gave to their church to give and provide the vast amount of donations that come in nationally for disasters and for community improvement to help nonprofits. Because what's happened is their heart's been reshaped and reformed into a generous heart. And then uh, when we are called to serve, uh, we, do, we do not serve others just because Jesus told us to, and so we have to get so many service hours in a week. We don't think, well, if I serve others for two hours this week, maybe God will be happy with me. That's not why we do it. We do it because Jesus said that he came 
not to be served, but to serve. And if we would follow him, we must be like him. Well, it was amazing to see that take place this week. Just yesterday, as we shared a moment ago, 16 people from our church flew to Guatemala to help one of the most impoverished communities in that country, a community of Mayan descendants who live in the highlands, whose village was recently wiped out by landslides and had to be relocated, who are struggling with incredible problems of basic sanitation, to go and make the cooking spaces in their home cleaner and healthier, and to look at the other uh, items that are such a health problem to their community and say, what can we do to improve water quality? What can we do to improve quality of life? What can we do to share the love of Christ? That team's there today, uh, serving on your behalf, uh, with your support. Uh, Also, this week, my goodness, this week, 360 children roaming the halls of the church, 125 volunteers. It, It was amazing to watch it happen. And then many of those volunteers, 30 of them staying after all afternoon for our Mosaic Worship and Arts Camp that we've celebrated today. And I believe 70 or 80 children staying for that camp as well and leading us in worship today. Thank you. Your worship leadership has been an act of service today. You have led us and you have blessed all of us with your videos, with with your singing, with your praying, with your enthusiasm for God's love and God's grace. And it was amazing. I was so proud this year. Within Vacation Bible School, we always have a mission focus. And this year, all our missions that we did in Vacation Bible School were local missions that support ongoing ministries of the church. So they were hands-on doing things that would help people in our city and in our region. They raised over $2,000 in order uh, to help with the Elk Ministry Community Center Ministry that we've been a part of, or Elk Garden Community Center Ministry that we've been a part of in Southwest Virginia for, for several years. Also, now I will tell you that yes, we did pit the girls against the boys in raising that money. Um, but the Bible does say outdo one another with zeal. So we, we, we appreciate that very much. And we appreciate your, your generosity. On one day, I, I don't know if you know this, but there was just marvelous things going on everywhere for Vacation Bible School. Here in this room, we had our Bible drama where we would teach the Bible stories by, by acting them out. And we had a big set and we had a talented director, incredibly talented actors. I, I see uh, Pastor Glenna and I see Dawn uh, here today. They, they were two of our, our leaders and, and maybe some of the teenagers who helped us as well are here. If, if you are and I haven't picked your face out, I'm so sorry. You did a phenomenal job. But, but we would go through these, this elaborate uh, drama and it was phenomenal. And I don't know if you know this, uh, but our senior pastor was one of the actors. He's good. Yeah. Yes. Yes, it is. And you are my son. And I'm very proud of you. Also during the day, on that particular day, we took them outside and we built rockets. And they got to launch these rockets that would go over 20 feet in the air, powered only by vinegar and baking soda. Well, additionally, we took them to our missions room, uh, and there they mixed together soup packets 
that would go to help in feeding ministries, provide food for, for families in need. I, I had the opportunity that day to be a part of the car door line during dismissal and open car doors as the children got in. And I would ask each child as they came to me, what was your favorite thing to, de- to do today? And I thought they'd all say drama. <laughs> well, a few said drama. And when I saw it wasn't drama, I thought, well, it's definitely the Rockets. You know what it was? Soup. They loved the soup. They loved knowing that they could do something that would bless somebody else. And they got to do a lot with that to, to learn a little bit about how our garden works and how people are fed in an ongoing basis who, who deal with food insecurity. It was amazing. And then I'd see these incredible volunteers 125 who were here every morning, many of them took vacations. Some of them get two vacation weeks a year from their job, and they took one for VBS, and I am blown away by that kind of sacrifice. And some who would stay all day uh, to help with Mosaic Camp as well, and every time I'd see one of our incredible volunteers, I'd just say, thank you, thank you, thank you. You don't know the difference you're making. You, You may not know that if a child doesn't believe the gospel before they're 18, that their chances of ever believing just aren't great. And look what you're doing. You're spending your whole week teaching the gospel to children. Thank you. And almost every time, you know what the volunteers would say to me? Thank you, thank you, thank you for letting me serve. You don't know the difference this makes for me. You don't know the difference this makes for me to be able to do it. Service isn't a burden. Service is a gift that God calls us to And then witness, that we are called to witness, to to reach out. Uh, Friends, everyone needs a church. Everyone needs a community that's going to rally around them and love them and and lift them up. And do you know, by far and away, the main reason people come to church and the main reason people find faith and the main reason people continue to grow in faith because What we know from talking to people is that if you're not in church and we survey you, there's a 2% chance you're going to say, I'm growing in faith. That's not me uh, saying uh, something uh, because it sounds nice. That's the stats. If you're outside of church and we ask you, are you growing in faith, there's a 2% chance you'll say yes. If you're inside of church, that goes up to over 60% because you can feel what God is doing and you have other people supporting you in this walk of faith. Well, why do people come to church? Well, we ask people. And I just want you to know, if you're one of those statistical people, this segment of the sermon is dedicated to you, just for you. There was a massive survey of churches across denominations uh, throughout our country, and they asked the people in those churches, why did you decide to come to this church? Far and away, More than 10 times more likely, some people think, well, the pastor invites them. That was on there, but only 5% people said the pastor invited me, and that was why I came. More than 10 times that were people who said, someone I knew told me about the church and encouraged me to attend. Someone I knew encouraged me. That's, That's witnessing. That's part of how we share our faith and talk to one another. And that that's why at this church, uh, we, we've started following what we call the three-minute rule and the ten-foot rule. And that is this. Uh, when you come to worship, we ask you to come three minutes early, and we ask you to spend that time talking. When it's time to be quiet, we'll let you know. 
but we want you to spend that time talking and we particularly want you to notice those people you don't know and share your name and then ask them their name because some of those people might have been here for a while and you might make a new friend or acquaintance and some of those people might be new and they might be wondering if they're really welcomed and if they're really wanted here because they might not have been to church before or they might have been to a church where they had a not so great experience and we don't ever want to let that happen. And then we have the 10-foot rule. And the 10-foot rule is that when you're in worship, you look around you and you look at the people who are sitting within 10 feet of you. And you make it a goal to greet each of them before you leave. Now, I know there are people who sit on the aisle and they're out, right? That's fine. If you can't greet everybody, don't beat yourself up about that. But these are ways, simple ways, that we try to live out Jesus' commandment to love one another because they're, they're good for us. And I know some people might say, well, well, you know, just chatting people up, I don't know, it's, it's, not, it's not my greatest gift. If it is your greatest gift, we'd love to have you as a greeter or usher. If it's not your greatest gift, just know that all you have to do is say hello and share your name, and you can make an eternal difference in someone's life just by letting them know that uh, they're welcome here at church. The, these commands, when we get to know them, we see how good they are. When we just stand back at a distance from them, sometimes we can wonder, uh, is this something I really want to, to be a part of? Well, I want to close today by sharing with you something that is backed by popular demand. I shared this this week with the children. And so children, I'm going to ask you not to spoil the surprise, but this is a magic trick that I, that I would like to, 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 to share with you. And so do not say it. Do not tell them how it works. Do not, do not. I know you know. I know, I know you know how this works. But I want them to enjoy it for themselves. Do any of you get allergies this time of year? Do any of you walk around with a handkerchief and you blow it and then you wish you could just throw it away and make it disappear? Well, that happens to me. And so I have learned how to make it disappear with a little bit of magic. You simply take the handkerchief, you put it in your hand, you make sure it's very tightly placed in your hand, and then you blow on it like so. Voila! Look at that. There, there, there is no handkerchief. There, there, there is no handkerchief there. And so there you go. The handkerchief has completely disappeared. I have no idea where the handkerchief is. Now, some of you caught that because I don't spend 40 hours a week working on sleight of hand. Some of you didn't. Some of you are probably like, it's in that big black sleeve he has. No, friends, I have a fake thumb. It is a plastic thumb, and out of this plastic thumb comes a handkerchief. Now, I understand in some places it is not culturally uh, smiled upon to reveal magic tricks. If you are a member of the American Magicians Guild today, I just want to apologize and let you know this is on YouTube, so I'm not sharing anything that's not on YouTube already, so please, please forgive me. But when you see a magic trick like that and then you see the plastic thumb, it's not magic anymore. You know how it works. Just common sense. Sometimes when we stand at a distance and we open our Bibles and we see God's commands for us, 
we, we may believe in God, but we see, think, oh, all those stories, they just sound like magic. Uh, those things God says, it, it doesn't make sense. But when we dedicate our lives to studying the Scriptures, to loving one another, uh, to uh, follow, practicing prayers, presence, gifts, service, and witness, what we do, what happens when we grow in our faith is we begin to learn more about God's nature and about the nature in which God created us. And suddenly what looked like magic, what we used to not be able to understand, we realize that's just how, who God is. And that's how God designed life to bless us. Let's pray together. Gracious God, we give you thanks. We give you thanks for your goodness. Uh, we thank you that you have given us your commands not to burden us, but to bless us. Help us to trust and follow you that with our lives we might love you with all we have and all we are and love our neighbors as ourselves. Amen. Thank you for listening to this sermon from Concord United Methodist Church. This podcast is a ministry of Concord United and we would love to hear from you. To contact us, please send an email to podcasts at concordunited.org with sermons in the subject line. For more information about Concord United, including worship times, service opportunities, mission efforts, and classes, please visit our website at concordunited.org. We also invite you to download and enjoy our daily devotional podcasts presented by the pastors and members of Concord United. Finally, we would appreciate it if you would leave a rating and a review of this podcast so that others can discover it and benefit from it.